My scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. If you'd like to follow along, it's found in your pew Bibles on page 98. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. This lesson offers a uh, congregation a warm, intimate image of Jesus as the good shepherd of Christian disciples And at another level, however, we also discern a not-too-subtle warning against pseudo-shepherds or fake people who may have a, a staff, but one that zaps instead of guides. These are the kind of shepherds who may uh, who back the van up to the fence in the dead of night and jolt the sheep up the ramp. How do you tell the difference, you might ask? Well, Jesus suggests familiarity through relationship between the true shepherd and the sheep. Go thou wise shepherd pastors and do likewise. Historically, anthropologically, Jesus is picking up a a metaphor that runs throughout Israel's history. The single metaphor that names the relationship and subsequent history of Israel that of the shepherd and sheep. You see this in the book of Psalms 80, for example. You see this in Psalm 23 as another. And then you see it in Ezekiel chapter 34. This is the one that I want us to focus in on, this idea of Ezekiel chapter 34. Why, you might ask? Well, it's because the prophet Ezekiel denounces the power-grabbing, negligent shepherd kings who have grossly abused their office feeding themselves rather than the sheep, or as we may say, fleecing the flock to line their personal comforts. Now for Jesus, the hour has come and the shepherd personally invites and intervenes as Jesus reveals his place in the shepherd-slash-sheep relationship. It's not as a thief or as a bandit. He fills both the role of shepherd and gate leading, giving access to the courtyard. The Lord not only gives us life, but it is also the entrance to a new way of life. 
Historically, I, I have to point out that uh, one of my superhero professors writes the commentary on this, of course, talking about the Roman Empire, specifically pointing out that the Emperor Tiberius allegedly rebuked a provisional governor who was about to impose heavy taxes on his subjects. Saying this phrase, it is the part of a good shepherd to shear his flock, not to skin it. Dio Christentum tells the story of Emperor Trahan that the emperor as a shepherd of peoples is to oversee, guard, and protect flocks, not to slaughter, butcher, and skin them. This image of shepherd goes throughout all of Jesus' ministry when he dealt with critical theological issues because they lived in an agricultural world, just like we do. Now, we might not all be farmers, but we all have seen it. We recognize what's going on around us. And frankly, we can ask questions when we don't know. The region where Jesus grew up, around Galilee, where he focused much of his ministry, was very similar to Noble County. It was a rich farming area. There, wheat and grapes grew plentifully in the fields and vineyards. The area around the Sea of Galilee itself was conducive to growing figs and dates and pomegranates. And it's funny that Clark mentioned that in southeastern Oklahoma, there are a lot of people that grow figs in their backyards. And the drier areas around the edge of Galilee supported olives and sheep. Huh. Just like us. Now, when I was there... There was one day that we got to walk on the road to Jericho. And it's the historical road that people have been walking on for four millennia. And it's like literal. Like it's not, it's not one of those Jesus uh, blew his nose so now we've created a, a temple here. It was literally the road that everybody walked to get from one place to the other. And as you're walking on this road, you can see the archaeological evidence of the Romans the Herodians, the Crusaders, and as you're walking, you can see it because it's dug this divot in what was once uh, just a small place where water ran through, and the road itself over millennia has dug this path that you're walking on. And at some places on the path, there's a 250-foot sheer drop-off to the water below. And on both sides of this road, it is this angled, extremely deep angle uh, of the cliffs that people to this day uh, take care of their flocks on these sheer cliffs. And just like in Jesus' time, the sheep follow the shepherds by their voice, and they don't carry shepherd's crook, it's just a stick. But they, as they're walking, you see these images of them walking on the sides of this cliff, and the only thing, because we're demented, is you ask yourself, how is it possible that they're not falling and tripping and rolling down the side of the hill? Now, just to give you a further image, on these sheer cliffs that these people have been walking on for four, four millennia, they have honed uh, caves that they go into in bad weather. And yeah, there are fences somehow put along the side of these cliffs that they walk along still to this day as the sheep walk and pay attention to their voice. 
When you think about the Gospel of John, it's important to you as the audience today to recognize the role of the shepherd. Their job was to keep those sheep safe by any means necessary. It's why it's a biblical concept all the way throughout the Hebrew Bible. Jesus calls himself a gatekeeper. Jacob himself, the father of the 12 tribes, was a shepherd. He labored for many years so he could marry Leah and Rachel. His sons were shepherds. Moses, much later, was a shepherd working with his father-in-law, whose job was, can you guess? A shepherd. And eventually, over time, David, who becomes king of Israel. Do you remember what his day job was when he was a child? He was a... Okay, come on now, wake up. Here we go. All of these things, what is it that we talk about King David? He had the ability to play a, a liar, and he, could, and, and he would soothe the sheep and the savage beast, and he protected all of them with a, with a slingshot. Good, now we remember Sunday school. Why did he have a, sunny, a slingshot? Well, it's be, to keep the wild animals away. This shepherd had an extremely important role. In the New Testament, Luke tells that shepherds were the very first people to hear the good news of Jesus' birth. And angels, a host of them, come out into the fields and make themselves known to shepherds. But the people did not have a high regard for shepherds. Of the time of the Gospel of John, they didn't watch them thinking that they were John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. They weren't popular on TV. They were not somebody that you would want to hang out with. Their job was extremely important, however. If they provided wool for clothes, mutton for food, a very important sacrifice to the temple. I would say that the sheep were probably more welcome in the temple than their shepherds. Being a shepherd was a dirty and difficult job. Shepherds had to deal with all the sheep, the manure, the blood from wounds the sheep might receive, the afterbirth of lambing out in the middle of nowhere. They had to work long hours, especially during the winter months. It was a 24-hour-a-day job. They had to make sure the sheep didn't wander off. Because of this, they weren't able to de uh, do all of the stuff of Torah. They couldn't live Torah because they were out in the fields all day long. That meant that they were ritually unclean. And even so, some of the sheep they tended would end up in the temple as the sacrifices. The shepherds were definitely not allowed into the temple. So because of this, people viewed shepherds as undesirable. It was very difficult to be a shepherd and a good Jew. Those who became shepherds essentially were rejecting the law. The fact only served to reinforce the stereotype of shepherds' unruly, immoral, and disreputable people. So when Jesus, now this is the part I want to get us back to, refers to himself as the good shepherd, he has both of these images in his mind. 
The image of the shepherd evokes images of the idealized vision of Psalm 23. It echoes the promises of the prophets that God would be the one true shepherd to lead the people back into chesed or back into the full graces of God. But the detail that Jesus provides with all of his talk about thieves and robbers and the sheep recognizing the shepherd's voice, these reveal that Jesus is aware of the real work of the average shepherd. These two opposing pictures are brought together. So what is it that Jesus is trying to say? Well, there's at least three characteristics that I want us to think about. First of all, the shepherd provides guidance. Now, I know very little about sheep. I, I mean, I did my my due diligence in FFA in McAllister, Oklahoma, and we messed with sheep. And I, and I have to be honest with you, the only thing that I really enjoyed doing because I was kind of a jerk was going and working with Shropshire lambs. And if you take a rope and you pull it up behind their back legs uh, and you just kind of hold it there, they pass out. So uh, I, I thought that was the coolest thing of all time. Um, and uh, it doesn't hurt them. They just, they just pass out. Um, and, and that, that was about us, and we learned how to shear lambs. Uh, we learned how to, you know, the, well, I don't know if you can say that word from the pulpit, but there are things that you do so that they don't have children later on. I, I learned how to do that in FFA, but, you know, we, we, I didn't have a lot of firsthand experience, but I'm told uh, by Brandon, as he tells me in, in much more colorful language, that they are rather difficult animals to herd. If one of them decides to bolt which they often do for absolutely no reason. I have seen that. The rest of the herd follows. For whatever reason, they are the four-legged dodo birds left on this planet. It requires a steady, patient hand to keep sheep together and headed in the right direction. In fact, it's really not much of a compliment that Jesus calls his followers sheep. Many farmers will tell you, that sheep are probably the dumbest of all domestic livestock. Besides running away for no apparent reason, they are easily lost and are quite stubborn. Well, you know, I guess in some times that the flock is an apt metaphor for the church. We finite, weak human beings who make up the church are too often running in different directions, losing our way and confusing in a confusing world and stubbornly resisting the leading of Jesus, our shepherd. They say, Jesus says, the Gospel of John says, that we know him by his voice. When we listen to the voice of the shepherd and follow him, we not only go where he tells us, we also follow his example. Secondly, the shepherd also provides protection to his sheep. Most of the year, uh, a shepherd in Palestine in the time of Christ would take the sheep out of the pasture during the day and return them into the sheep pen at night. Now I want to talk about the gate. Remember those caves I was telling you about? There's hone into this rock hole that they're in that was just big enough for the shepherd to lie in front of the cave where they literally put their lives on the, live, on the line to protect the sheep. They became the gate. 
to keep the wild animals from getting the sheep. They became the thing that kept the sheep from walking out of the cave and falling to their death. They became the difference between life and death in the same way that Jesus calls himself the gate and the gatekeeper. Jesus Christ becomes our gatekeeper and stands in the gate to protect us, his sheep, from harm. We are constantly under the watchful and protective eye of the one who has already laid down his life on our behalf. The shepherd whom we follow is the one who willingly and voluntarily gave up his life and then rose again. And no matter what threats we may face, we should be able to take them on without fear, knowing that he has guided us to this place. After all, our shepherd has already conquered the greatest threat of them all, death itself. Finally, Jesus is responsible for the daily care and feeding of its flock. Not only has Jesus created this world for us and protected us from this and we know his voice, he takes care of us even when we don't recognize it. In those moments, there are too many opportunities that we have that we seem to think that as members of the flock of the Good Shepherd, we are offered these things, but it is too easy for us to refuse and ignore the daily nurture that is extended to us. We often have a tendency to think that we are self-sufficient, that we really don't need Jesus. Then when things go wrong, what is the phrase that we always say? Why isn't God here? Where are you, God? Why we haven't been guided in the right way, but we are assured by our faith, by the Gospel of John, by the Bible, that the true shepherd will never, ever abandon us. If we are lost, it's because we have strayed, but Jesus will find us. How do we know that? Because it says in the Bible that Jesus will come and find us and rejoice in those moments. If we feed daily through spiritual disciplines such as scripture and prayer, then we are strengthened to face whatever difficulties we encounter. We will still face difficulties, church. I'm not going to lie to you. The shepherd cannot protect us from every harm. But if we've been fed and nourished, then we will likely find it easier to be guided by him in hard times as well. Our society is probably not much different than the one in which Jesus lived and taught, with the exception of the Roman Empire. We can't ex get away from that. But we too often encounter in contrasting and even contradictory images of Jesus as shepherd. Very few people in our nation will actually speak openly against Jesus. For some reason, the vast majority still claim to be Christian just not in practice. <laughs> Yet many still think it's naive or unrealistic to live according to the teachings and examples of Jesus Christ. Those who turn the other cheek are called cowards and unpatriotic. Those who practice simple lifestyles are 
are labeled fanatics and or hippies or whatever. Those that decide to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to, to do the things that we've been asked to do by Jesus Christ for some reason are labeled different. But all of these things were taught and modeled to us by Jesus Christ, our shepherd. So church, the invitation and the challenge is before us to be the shepherd, to be the shepherd's flock. Let us seek his guidance and walk in his way. Let us accept and recognize the protection in which he offers. And let us allow ourselves to be nurtured and fed in his pastures. And let us not be afraid to admit and act as though we are sheep of the shepherd. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.